Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 32. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your universal connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the upcoming book, Love Has Still Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. And you know, they say it never rains in Southern California. We're going to get a weather report right now as we bring in the man himself. It's the star of our show. Welcome, please, Gary Renard. Hey, buddy, how are you? I'm good. Hey, people, please don't stand up, okay? It's another standing ovation. They just love you, man. Thank you. They love you. Thank you very much. That's really great. Uh, You're right, Gene. It never rains in Southern California. In fact, this is the worst drought. Uh, in the history of Southern California. No kidding, really. Uh, I've been yeah, I've been here for over uh, two years. Uh-huh. I've seen it rain once. <laughs> One time in two years? Yeah. Uh, the first year I was here, uh, you know, I was traveling a lot. They got two inches of rain for the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it hasn't been any better the second year. And it's like, uh, it's kind of funny in a way because, you know, uh, Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger there, the governor, uh, everybody here calls him uh, the governator. They, not the Illuminator. Yes, he's the governor, and uh, actually, people like him here because mm-hmm. uh, you know he actually sticks to Sacramento and actually tries to do his job and actually it, you know is, it, is trying to do good. It does seem like that. He seems like a very sincere guy in terms of wanting to do well in, in the in the political thing here. It's just hard to get people to cooperate with anything. Like he declared, uh, you know, a water emergency mm-hmm. uh, here in California. It's like nobody paid any attention. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, everyone's still sprinkling in their lawns and oh, man. taking, you know, half an hour showers. And, now, you you and, say you, you literally had two inches of rain in a year? That's right. Now, because, of course, I'm in, in South Florida, and we have a, a more tropical climate, but we've had, you know, heavy storms come through and have two inches of rain in one day. You know, oh, so, sure. yeah, so that's, I mean, yeah. so I guess all the water is coming from that, the reservoir and the aqueducts and stuff, because it's not obviously coming down out of the sky for you. Yeah, actually, it's all coming from uh, Colorado, you know, New Mexico. Ah, yeah, those <laughs> wet places over, like New you know, Mexico. If it wasn't for uh, irrigation, yeah. uh, L.A. would be a desert. Wow. But, um, in fact, if you go back and see that movie, uh, Chinatown, with Jack Nicholson. Right. That's a really good uh, story about the corruption involved in getting the water here uh-huh. uh, to L.A. and, and uh, different powers that wanted to control it. But, uh, you know, it's true. If you didn't have uh, the sprinklers here... And the irrigation, this would literally just be a desert. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see what can uh, happen with something like that. Uh, in fact, uh, there's a town in, on Maui uh, called Kihei, which is uh, probably the fastest growing town in Hawaii. I think it's up over 100,000 people now. And uh, they did the same thing there. If you went back to uh, the late 60s, it was just all rock, all desert. Mm-hmm. And today it's like this green, green place that everybody loves, and it's all because of irrigation. So uh, it's really amazing what you can do with that. Yeah, it's all and, uh, getting water where it's needed is always the, the thing about it. You have to move it one place to another. That's true. And the only reason I bring that up is because uh, you said you know it never rains in uh, California. Well, that's true. Of course, there is part of the song that says uh, it pours. Ah, yes. Yeah. And uh, that does happen once in a great while. You'll get about... Uh, you know, 11 inches of rain in, in a couple of days. And that's when you get the, uh, you know, the landslides. Oh, the mudslides, yeah. People's houses, oh. uh, you know, going down the hill and uh, things like that. We'd like to say that we have four seasons uh, here in uh, Southern California. <laughs> uh, we have uh, spring, summer, uh, fire, and flood. <laughs> and you also, and, uh, back when you lived in Maine, you had four seasons also, didn't you? Yeah, that was a little different. Uh, the longest uh, one was almost winter. And then you had winter, which was just as long. But then you had the third season. Uh, that was called Still Winter. Still Winter. Yeah. Right. And then uh, finally, after a long, long time, you get the fourth season, which everybody waits for. Uh, it's called Road Construction. <laughs> Pothole filling. <laughs> so uh, I've lived in some pretty challenging areas, but... Uh, I actually do love Southern California. It's uh, really beautiful, and uh, you know, always uh, great things to do, places to see. Mm-hmm. 
uh, really a marvelous place. Most people never really see it. They think that uh, Southern California is like the freeway, you know, and uh, they don't realize that uh, there's just so much beauty and, and so much to see here. Yeah. But uh, if you stick around long enough and uh, you have somebody like Cindy, you know, like I do, to show you around, then there's just, uh, you know, wonderful places to go to. Yeah, well, she's lived out, has and, it been her whole life that she lived there or most of her life in Southern Cal? Uh, she's been here uh, the last 20 years. Uh-huh. Uh, Cindy grew up in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born in Toledo. Uh, you know, in a bar in Toledo across from the depot. Ah, okay. Holy Toledo. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then she moved to California with her mother about 20 years ago. I write about that in uh, the next book because there are some really startling coincidences involving uh, her life and uh, the moves that were made at certain times that coincided with moves that I made. Mm that resulted in both of us ending up here at the same place in the same time. And uh, there are all kinds of uh, synchronicities in the next book that show how all these lifetimes, like, uh, you know, Thomas and Thaddeus 2,000 years ago, and uh, Cindy and I today, and Arden and Persa, you know, about 100 years from now, really shows how everything is connected. And I'm, you know, really... Uh, astounded, actually, at some of the things that you would think would be coincidences, but really aren't coincidences. Mm-hmm. How everything fits together, uh, how uh, everything is, you know, a challenge that will be presented once again until you get it right in the realm of forgiveness. Right. And uh, really, is interesting how it's all one, how it's all connected, how it's all holographic. Uh, it really is an interesting story. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and, uh, as as we always talk about, that the the Holy Spirit is really the only one who can see the totality. That's why we, we can never judge, because we never see the big picture. But when we look back in a, in a sort of microcosmic way at certain things, you especially as we look into what appears to be the past, we see how things did fit together, how things dovetailed and, and coincided just as they were supposed to, to produce an outcome that you wouldn't have known at the time they seemed to be happening, but you see it now looking back. Well, that's a nice little micro view of what the Holy Spirit sees in totality from the end of the dream, seeing everything and knowing how everything fits together, which is almost incomprehensible from a human level, but that's, I think, a good analogy, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, you're absolutely right. In fact, at one point in uh, the Manual for Teachers, the Course talks about an interlocking chain of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So uh, all all the forgiveness acts that we do, they're all connected, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's all part of kind of like an alternative script to undo the ego script. In a way, you could say that the ego script is what happens. Uh, the Holy Spirit script is how you're looking at what happened. Right, right. And so you could think uh, of the Holy Spirit script as simply being a different interpretation of the ego script, which is why the Holy Spirit doesn't have to change anything mm-hmm. about the world. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to change the script. All you have to do is undo it through forgiveness, and then it collapses the whole thing, and eventually uh, it's undone. Yeah, because we're it's really a great approach. As you said, we're trying to look at, at what happens, but in reality, nothing is happening. I know Ossie, our friend from the DU group, always says, even though nothing's happening, we discuss it anyway. Uh, but the truth is that none of this has actually happened. We just think it has. So you don't have to fix what happened because it didn't happen. It's not real. You just have to fix how you see it, which ultimately be, will be to see that it's not even there. And that the, when forgiveness becomes uh, maximized, if you will, uh, then... You know, there you go, and it's it's just not there at all. It completely undoes, as as you said. That's right. And, and by the way, I got to see Aussie on no kidding. Uh, Saturday. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I was speaking in Denver, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite places. I've been there. I believe this is the, the sixth year in a row ah. that I've spoken in Denver, and Aussie was there. She lives there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came. Uh, Lynn, uh, another moderator uh-huh. at the DU group, she was there. And uh, we all got to go to lunch, and they got to meet Cindy, and uh, it was really cool. Oh, great. And a couple of weeks before that in Chicago, uh, I had seen Marcy, who was the other right. uh, moderator at the group. So I've actually seen all three of the moderators from the DU group in the last couple of weeks. How cool. Yeah, it's been really great. And, uh, you know, we've been to some very uh, interesting places mm-hmm. since the wedding. You know, we've spoken in, I spoke in Chicago, and uh, that was wonderful. I mentioned uh, Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that was great, and after Denver, we went up into the Rockies, which was the first time that I've ever done that. I went to Aspen and uh, the surrounding places, which are just 
amazing. You know, mm-hmm. people think of Aspen, they think of it as being a ski area. Right. That's just the beginning. I mean, it's just uh, an unbelievable uh, terrain to see. You have, like, you know, Independence Pass, the Continental Divide. You know, you have Maroon Bells, all these, uh, you know, incredible places, Pyramid Peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned to you off the air that, uh, you know, uh, Colorado actually has 54 mountains. Yeah, you said that. That are over 14,000 feet. Ooh. Yeah, I was on P- Pikes Peak many years ago with my parents. I was a teenager at the time. We took a trip out that way. And uh, so that was probably the highest peak I've ever been on. Uh, maybe it was the highest I've ever been. Uh, but uh, no, that was incredible. And Pikes Peak is 13 or 14, I think, right? So, But it's not the yeah, tallest. There are, there are taller peaks out there, as you, as you see. Yeah, you can get there uh, pretty fast from Denver. Uh, you just go down towards Colorado Springs. Uh-huh. And, uh, that's where Pikes Peak is. I believe you can take the train, the choo train there to the top. Ah, uh, one of those steam engines. That'd be neat. Which uh, really brings you back 100 years or so. There's a lot of history, too, aside from just being beautiful. And obviously, it's big ski country, but it's beautiful, as you said, in the summer as well. But there's huge history there. I so said, you know, the American West, a lot a lot of things took place in that zone. Yeah, I was really impressed. I went to a place called uh, Hotel Colorado, uh-huh. which is, they have a lot of old-fashioned type uh, hotels uh-huh. uh, in Colorado at uh, Estes Park which is also about, that's about an hour and 45 minutes from Denver. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of these places are pretty accessible. You can get to them within you know, a couple hours mm-hmm. uh, or less, and even three and a half hours in Aspen. And uh, Estes Park has the hotel that inspired Stephen King there to write uh, The Shining. Oh, yeah, that's and, uh, right. Yeah, he and that's, Johnny. That's fun. That's a fun place to go. So wow. uh, there's, all, well, there's, you know, a hundred great places to go in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, if I had to name my three favorite states, in America to go to, uh, Hawaii would be number one, mm-hmm. California would be number two, because there's just so much here to see that a lot of people don't always see, and I think Colorado would be right there in the top three mm-hmm. uh, in terms of places to see. Sometimes you're better off, uh, instead of trying to see every place in the world, you're better off just choosing a few great places mm-hmm. you know, to hang out in. Yeah, this coming really from you, the world traveler, though. Yeah, I am. I'm, as you know, <laughs> I'm going to Europe again in a few days. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll be going to uh, Switzerland, which I've been to before, but I've never been to Zurich uh, in that area, you know, the German area, which is supposed to be really beautiful. Mm. And uh, then I'm going to Germany, and I'm going to go over to Italy for the Italian Alps, and then back to Germany, I'm going to, like, uh, you know, Frankfurt and Bonn. But I'll be starting off in Munich, so I've got all these great places to go. And then I'll be going over to England, and uh, I'm going to do a workshop near Stonehenge. Mm. Yes, you mentioned and, that to uh, me. And I said, that's a very cosmic Stonehenge. That must be just amazing to see. Oh, yeah, and Cindy's going to meet me there. Uh, she she won't be there at first in Europe because she uh, has to graduate. She has a graduation next week mm. from uh, USM, the University of Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, I'm going to miss it, but, uh, you know, her parents will be there, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, then she'll join me in England, and we'll get to hang out at Stonehenge and Swindon and Glastonbury and places like that for a while. And I'll do a workshop. You know, you got to work a little bit. So. Yeah, you got to have something to write off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're funny. Uh, so you'll and be- actually, uh, the workshops are about forgiveness, and uh, they really drive the whole thing home. Yeah. Yeah, you've always had great, great. Re- you've had great results in England because I know you've done a, a number of things over there, and you've always had uh, really good responses from folks, right? Oh yeah, I started going there about four years ago, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, England's always been good to me. Yeah. Mostly, it's been London, and I've been to a couple of other places like Worcestershire, mm-hmm. and uh, I love their sauce. So, yeah, I like their sauce too. You know, it's uh, really good, and also Manchester. Yeah, up in the north, or is it Birmingham? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I go to places like that once in yeah. a while, but it's mostly been London, so I'm excited about getting out into the country. Now. Yeah. Will you see uh, our buddy Martin? We'll say hello to Martin while we're here, our English friend uh, from the last cruise, and uh, will you see him when you're over there, you think? I think so, probably. Martin, if you're listening, uh, you got to come. You know, Martin came to Spain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, when I was there, so. And uh, we always have people from the cruises uh, show up every now and then at the workshops, and it's like a reunion. It's a lot of fun. Uh, for people who don't know, we're actually planning our third cruise now, which is going to be a great time. We're going to Mexico, and uh, it's just the perfect time of year to be going. It's mid-April. Mm-hmm. Weather's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have the classes. You know, plenty of time for really, uh, you know, practicing forgiveness and getting this. But at the same time, we have all the other things that we do. You know, like the uh, shore excursions and. Uh, 
you know, just hanging around on the ship, and we have our own private cocktail party, and we have our own section of the dining room, and, you know, you make all these friends, and we go to the piano bar, and you and Helen lead us, and <laughs> of course, you're the uh, master of ceremonies. That's that. right. I've been upgraded. I'm now the official, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the bandito. Apparently, I'm going to have to wear my, my sombrero every time I MC a show. <laughs> That's right. I you know the, the subtitle. The subtitle of this subtitle for the cruise. That's the, really good. The subtitle for this cruise is "We Don't Need No Stinking Ego." So that will be a, that will be a lot of fun. And that leaves from San Diego, and uh, just the and people can find out. There's a link I know at GaryRenard.com. You have a link right there, and then they can go to the page that gives you all the details. You can see my bandito picture right next to you there. Uh, and this will be the, on the same cruise line, Holland America, but instead of the Westerdam where we were on the last two cruises, this will be on the Osterdam, which is another one of their damn ships, as they say. Uh, but they're beautiful. They they're really a nice cruise line. So it'll be a little exciting to be on the on a different one of their ships out there. And that's uh, leaving from San Diego and the Mexican Riviera. So. That's right. We're going to uh, Cabo San Lucas mm-hmm. in uh, Puerto Viato. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Well, well th- Americans say Puerto Viata or uh-huh. something. And then there's a, uh, I don't know, some place uh, called Mazayacan or something. Uh, Mazatlan. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Mazatlan. Mazatlan? Yes. Oh, yeah. that's good. And uh, you know, this is going to be a lot of fun, but uh, because it's Mexico, which is a, a great place, and I'm not. Uh, you know, saying that it isn't as good as all the other places that we've gone to. In fact, in a way, it's better because the weather is going to be absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just that uh, this cruise is less expensive than the other cruises. Right. Uh, I think Alaska was the most expensive, certainly. Yeah, there's more fees and stuff and charges up there, so it's it's just less expensive in Mexico. But uh, yeah, it should right. be. You, you've been to that. In, you've been in that uh, area, right, in Mexico uh, around that time of year, so you've experienced what it's like, and you said it's just gorgeous. It's perfect. I mean, the weather is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I love it there. I've been to Mexico three times, and uh, the people there are so warm. They're so friendly to me, uh, so kind, and, you know, uh, so real, really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a great time. It's just going to be wonderful. And so folks will know, I mean, not to go too much into it here, but when uh, when we're on board, while there's plenty of fun and games, but it's not all of that, you actually do, like, a lot of, of very focused workshop and teaching work. And uh, I think, was it last time, it was like 12 or 13 hours that were scheduled of, of the kind of group activity like that that you were doing? Was it, is that about That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's spread out over the week, so, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just intense enough without overdoing it. It's right. perfect because, you know, you spread those 13 hours out, you know, over six days or so. And uh, we have a couple of days off where we go ashore where we don't do classes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody gets a break, and uh, it works out perfect. Yeah. So, and it was, you know, as we talked about a lot about the last cruise and and the Alaska cruise, it's great because you have the the focused sort of work, if you want to call it that, even though it's obviously very pleasant stuff. But it's it's definitely focused on the course and the teachings and and from your books. But then you also get to you know because conversations invariably involve that stuff. I remember sitting in groups of eight or ten people at one of the lounges having a few drinks, and we're talking about the course. So the conversations continue. It's not always just about how much fun we had in port that day, but we actually. Because, again, we're all sort of people of a like mind who are in this group aboard the cruise. Um, and as you say, we eat in the same zone, which is really cool because you kind of get to know everybody at your neighboring tables. And a lot of, you know, we throw rolls at each other and stuff. So it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's really great. And uh, everybody who does it is into the course. They mm-hmm. know it. Uh, they're sharing their experiences with people. And uh, it's just a really interesting time. You might make friends for life with some people. Yeah, we have. You know, and in fact, there was a the budding marriage from some people that were with us from the last time. So who knows what could happen? There's no limit to this. That's right. Yeah. So uh, you know, Gene, I think that uh, we should probably get to these questions and answers because we've been promising people. We have. And I've got. I've got. Listen, here's the paperwork right in front of me. Here, I'm ready to rip them off to you here. All right, let's do that then. So, yeah, we kind of covered what we needed to say here, and uh, we'll do, we'll just dive into some questions. And these there's okay. a, a little bit of a theme, and also so folks will know, because I know, you know, we've got, we're backed up on questions, because we had so many, and, and some of them have been around for a while. These are all going to be older ones, so we can try to catch up a little. In our next time, when we do some more questions, we'll do a few old ones mixed with a few new ones uh, that have just come in more recently. But these will all be going back a while, so we never forget them. We just eventually get to them. And these all seem to, and I didn't plan it this way, but they're kind of all on the same topic. Uh, kind of, uh, well, you'll see as we go along here. So let me see. I'm going to start off. We were just talking about the uh, Yahoo message board and the DU group at Yahoo. Um, and you were mentioning seeing the moderators recently. And didn't you also see uh, Mikey recently? Giddy up, Mikey. 
Oh, yeah. I've seen Mikey every now and then. Uh, uh-huh. I saw him last year. He's uh, in Oregon. Ashland. Yeah, he's in Oregon. Yeah, Ashland, Oregon. But he came to Lake Tahoe uh-huh. uh, just a few weeks ago. We were in uh, Truckee, California, which is, you know, right there just a half an hour from uh, Lake Tahoe. Uh-huh. And Mikey drove down, and uh, we call him Giddy Up Mike. And uh, he always does a quotation every day from A Course in Miracles. On the DU group, the yeah. Yahoo group. Uh-huh. Yeah. Actually, I think and, he does a uh, quote. He does a quote from D.U. Doesn't he? I think that's right. Yeah, because it'll either be oh, Arton or Persa that he'll quote there. Usually, once in a great while, uh, you know, he quotes me when he really wants to get into trouble. Ah. And uh, but for the most part, it's Arton and Persa. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's amazing how he chooses a cool quote every day, and it's always relevant. They're uh, well selected. Talking about you know ideas from the course. Uh huh. And and since we're on that subject, I just have to really quick send this out to Mikey. Because uh, he he particularly enjoyed that in our last episode, so I had to send that his way. He's got a really yeah, he told me that he's got he a funny thing an email. Yeah, he's got a funny thing up on YouTube. I don't know where he where he does his impersonation of you, where you were talking about really? the movie The Passion of the Christ. Oh, I haven't seen that. You got to go see it. I'll send you a link. I'll try to put a link up at uh, forgiveness.tv where I have the links page so everybody knows. Um, that's where you can see the Bandito commercial. You can see the spoofs that our buddy Steven does. Uh, I'll try to put a link to Mikey. It's about a minute and a half, but it's really funny because, uh, you know, he he's originally from New England. So he has a little bit of that Gary Wicked accent, you know, going on. So it's pretty funny. So, oh, I'll, yeah. He uh, made up a couple of T-shirts for us. It says, uh, it says, Masshole. <laughs> and... Uh, we each put them on and had our picture taken, <laughs> which is uh, pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to know myself, because I don't know uh, what page that is at your website. Uh, so i, I got to see these things. i got to see this. You do, and, uh, yeah. Well, just go to forgiveness.tv, and then when you're there, up at the top, there's a link to go right to the Gary Renard Podcasts. Uh, there's also one that says Links. So if you just click on that, it takes you to the links page, and that's where you see all those other things that you can click on to go to. Okay, because I, I haven't been to your uh, links page yet. So. Ah, okay. Well, go check it out. There's a few, and I'll, I'll be adding more stuff to that, but I'll try to get Mikey's up there. Hopefully, by the time this actually gets out in podcast land, uh, hopefully I'll have that link set up. So if not, I'll try to get to it soon. But our little shout okay. out to Mikey. But the reason I brought that up was because this first question, and this is, I said, this is one of the older ones going back a little while, but this came uh, from Debbie, who is also known as her nickname on the, on the Yahoo DU group. She's Sassy Mombat. So uh, we have another D. So we got a lot of shout outs for our DU friends here, the group friends. But here it is. It says, hi, Gene and Gary. I have a short question for you. It's about prayer. Since everything is scripted, does it do a damn bit of good to pray for something or someone? My friend lights candles for people and prays for them all the time, and we were just wondering if it actually does any good. That's from Debbie. Okay, well, the uh, the first answer to that question would be from the perspective of A Course in Miracles. Now, Jesus actually says in A Course in Miracles that the only true prayer is for forgiveness. So what he's saying there is that, you know, the only real thing that you can do that's going to make a difference uh, is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to change the script, but it is going to give you a different uh, perception of it. It's going to give you a different way of looking at it, as the Course says, you know, if I forgive, I will see this differently. Now, that affects the way that you feel. As far as anything else, as far as anything else beyond that, uh, that's up to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit can see everything. The Holy Spirit knows if it's appropriate to collapse time, as the Course puts it, or have you switch to a different dimension of time, which is not changing the script, but it is allowing you to view a different scenario within a fixed system. Mm-hmm. So it always comes back to forgiveness. But I don't want to belittle uh, you know, the power of thought, even within the illusion. Mm-hmm. Because within that illusion, it is possible to have effects on things. For example, uh, you know, they've done studies that have shown that if a group of people, uh, you you don't have to call it prayer, you could say that if they just kind of like, when they pray for somebody who's being operated on, Mm -hmm. for example, and they all have the same intention, well, the Course says very clearly that each mind is joined. Right. Because there's only one mind, so if you get a group of people together, and I really think that this is going to be something that you're going to see a lot more in the future. You know, by the time uh, Art and Purser are around 100 years from now, uh, you're going to have groups of people, sometimes very large groups of people, who will get together and meditate, and they will think of someone while they're being operated on in the operating room, 
And they've already demonstrated statistically that people who are prayed for while they're being operated on do better than people who are not. Right. And the reason is because of that. Because each mind is joined, uh, you can't get away from that. Yeah. Uh, you can't help but have some kind of an influence on the level of mind. Yeah, I really think that people are going to be getting into that more. They're going to be using it more. Uh, who knows what you know? amazing things are going to happen in the future that are going to demonstrate the power of the mind. It could be the groups of people get together, uh, concentrate on certain ailments that people have, and actually heal them, uh, not because of the physical effect, but because of where the miracle really takes place, which is at the level of the mind. Mm-hmm. And the more people understand that, the more that they'll be capable of uh, in terms of helping other people. And yet, at the same time, I think it's important to realize that that's the effect, that what appears to happen, you know, out there on the screen, that's just the effect. And the cause is always at the level of the mind. Uh, that's why the Course says at one point that the mind is the activating agent of spirit. Uh-huh. It's because uh, the Course has a little different approach than everything else. You know, everybody tries to balance everything and make everything real and fix it on the level of form. And here's the Course saying, no, uh, you don't need to balance body, mind, and spirit. What you need to do is use the mind to choose between the body and spirit. Ah. Uh, the body is obviously the Course's great symbol of separation. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with it or sinful about it. It's just that that is the thought of separation given form. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we want to do is choose spirit. Uh, there's one quote that I love in the Course it says, this course does not uh, ask that you, you know, see the spirit and perceive the body not. It does ask, however, that this be your choice. Uh-huh. In other words, you're still going to see bodies, you're still going to have all these relationships. The difference is, is that now you're going to think of everything and everybody as being this perfect spirit. That's how the mind activates spirit, by choosing it. Uh, you choose the spirit, and, you know, the body, you just kind of, like, overlook at it. Yeah, you still see it, but you're overlooking it and thinking of that person and thinking of everything as being uh, this perfect spirit, and by doing that, you actually activate the spirit. The spirit starts to take over the mind, and you start to identify more and more with it, so eventually it really becomes your identity instead of the body. Uh, that's a process, obviously, but that's the focus of the Course, and that's why uh, I don't think it's incorrect to say that the course is a little different than anything else that's out there because nothing else does that. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing else does that specifically. Nothing else, uh, you know, kind of like thinks of everybody and everything as being God and nothing less than that. Right. But that is certainly the approach of the course. And it also it says, you know, be vigilant only, you know, for God and his kingdom. Uh, a lot of people, they don't even want to think about God or Jesus yeah. or anything like that, and they come up with all these variations uh, of the course, but it doesn't work because you can't undo the separation from God without acknowledging God. It would be impossible. Mm. So, uh, you know, that's why the approach of the course really is different than other things. And also, um, this uh, I know there's been a test, as you said, about uh, proving that, that group prayer actually does have an effect, as does meditation. They've done things where they have found out that uh, group meditating can not only have health outcomes with people, but it can like decrease crime in certain communities when enough people... Uh, so would it be in line with this then to say that the type of prayer or the specific prayer almost doesn't matter? What matters is the, the joining of mind and the acknowledgement of, of God, of the Holy Spirit, of our our purpose in the forgiveness process. Is that really where the, the actual substance of this takes place? So it doesn't matter specifically what words you're saying or what type of prayer or lighting a candle. All of that's fine, but what really gets, gets the work done is the joining at level of mind. Absolutely, and uh, I think that as uh, time goes on, you know, as the illusion of time ticks away, what's going to happen is that people are going to utilize that tool a lot more. And uh, I, this is a little visionary, but I can see that you're going to have people joining at the level of the mind uh, in groups, sometimes in large groups, uh, to influence things. You cannot help but have, you know, some kind of an influence on people at the level of the mind by the way that you think, which is why the Course teaches that even the the simple presence of a teacher of God acts as a reminder Mm -hmm. to people. You're always uh, communicating at the level of the mind whether you realize it or not, so you might as well, you know, grab it and uh, take control of it. 
and uh, use it, you know, and you act as an influence on other people. I'm not saying that you have to uh, convert anybody or that you have to believe anything or that anybody has to believe anything. But when it comes to forgiveness and peace, and forgiveness certainly leads to peace, then you cannot help but be an influence on people simply by thinking these peaceful thoughts and these loving thoughts and right-minded thoughts and practicing forgiveness. You have to be having some kind of an effect. Now, you may not always see it. Uh, it might be at the subatomic level. It might be at the level uh, you know, of form, even that you can't see within the body, but there's something happening, which is why the Course teaches you know, that a miracle is never lost. I mean, right. No matter what goes on, the kinds of thoughts that you're thinking, whether it's right-minded thoughts or wrong-minded thoughts, it's going to have some kind of uh, an effect. Now, I'm not saying that you should always be trying to manipulate the level of the effect. That's not the purpose of the Course. The purpose is, uh, as the Course says itself, uh, you know, it says this is not a Course in theosophical speculation. Mm-hmm. You know, it says it is concerned only with uh, the correction of perception. It's only concerned with atonement or the correction of perception. And uh, it says the means of this is forgiveness, so that's our job. Anything else that happens, well, you could think of that as being kind of like a fringe benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be things that uh, appear to change, on the level of form because you're switching over to the Holy Spirit script, which is the correction of the ego script, a different way of looking at it, a different form of perception. As a result of that, there could be things that appear to happen. Maybe you'll feel better. Maybe you'll be more peaceful. I mean, you know, if you're more peaceful, it can't help but have an influence on everything else about you. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe you'll be able to think more clearly, solve problems more clearly. But uh, the focus is always on the mind, which is the area of cause, you know, and uh, so you want to change your mind. And then if other things appear to happen, well, then so be it. I mean, that's just so much the better. You know, it's so much more fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can do all kinds of things that appear to happen uh, in the world, but that's kind of like a byproduct. So, uh, uh, you know, I was going to say. The real miracle in the Course is not the physical result, the real miracle mm-hmm. is the shift of mind that, uh, you know, it takes place at an entirely different level above what we're seeing as the level of form. But at the same time, you know, who knows what's going to happen? You, you get these people together thinking all these thoughts, uh, all kinds of interesting things can appear to happen, and it's fun, but all we have to do is remember that that's just the effect and that the real important thing is always at the level of the mind and how we're thinking. So even if uh, even when things seem to get kind of crappy in our lives, we shouldn't get discouraged and should not be thinking that our forgiveness work and that the spiritual work that we're doing is ever getting lost, because it's always benefiting at one point or another, even if we don't seem to see it in the physical reflection. Absolutely true. And, uh, you know, there are all kinds of fun things you can do. Like, uh, yeah, I started doing the course, so I guess about oh, 16 and a half years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really started to realize the importance of thought and... Uh, like if I sit down in a restaurant, you know, and eat, uh, you know, some prime rib or something, and, uh, you know, there's somebody else at the table freaking out because they're a vegetarian. And, uh, you know, what I do is I just think uh, thoughts, you know, about this meat that I'm eating and, and how it's good for me and how uh, I'm enjoying it and, you know, how the animal... Uh, and the American Indians used to do this, too. We're just thinking the, the same Indians. thing. Yeah, they had a, a real reverence for the animal that they would kill. They w- would express this real love for it uh, because they realized it was providing them the sustenance that they required. That's right. And, uh, you know, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, vegetarians, they kind of like uh, look down on meat eaters, but they don't stop to think that they're killing the plant, yeah. you know, that they're eating. Hey, and, bro- uh, broccoli no re- has rights, too. That's right. There's not really any difference. I mean, they're both living things. And everything here is a living thing. In fact, uh, the planet Earth is a living thing. And uh, so it's all connected. It's all one. And uh, you can, well, I think, you know, more recently, Dr. Emoto, uh, you know, showed with his pictures of the molecules in water how they change if you think loving thoughts about it. And, And, you know, so... You can't help but have some kind of an influence on the level of form with your thoughts. You can't get away from that. So why not use that, and why not have fun with it? Why not make uh, the food that you eat or the things that you do uh, more interesting and more healthy and, and you know, just more fun? And, and more celebrated. Yeah. That's right. Of course, we, you know, I do that when I have a beer also. <laughs> so, uh, hey, all that barley and hops, uh, you know, you've got to give thanks to that. 
That's right. Right. Uh, you, know, you know, I've used this analogy before, but I think it's important because, uh, you know, I saw a three-year-old girl once who was having this vanilla ice cream cone, and any nutritionist would tell you that that's got to be bad for her right. because it's full of sugar and it's just terrible, you know, for her to eat that. But she had such a look of joy on her face yeah. while she was eating this vanilla ice cream cone. I saw that and how happy she was, and I thought, you know, there's no way in the world that that ice cream cone is going to be bad mm. for that little girl. I mean, no matter what's in it, it doesn't matter. It's going to be good for her because of her attitude and because of the joy that she has while she's eating it. And the, the thoughts have to be going to the molecules in that uh, right. ice cream cone, so it has to be good for her. You know, and, uh, you know, I really think that so much of uh, the way the things affect people is really, uh, you know, connected to their thoughts more than the thing itself. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we could all do ourselves a favor by uh, changing our attitude towards the things around us and realizing, look, it's our projection. If it's our projection in the first place, we can change our mind about it and think loving thoughts about everything, and it can't help but have some kind of an influence on that projection. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I'll tell a quick story. Deepak Chopra told this one uh, many years ago. It was a great story. It was about some university study, and they were doing tests, and I think it was rabbits they were testing them on, of different types of foods and how some things that were considered real carcinogenic, real toxic diet, and they wanted to, you know, whatever they were doing. So the way this was done, they had a number of different groups so that they could determine what, you know, what was happening. And they had students that were coming in as part of the process who were like double blind. They didn't really realize what they were. They were just here to feed the rabbits and, you know, do their thing. Thing. And they noticed when when the researchers were looking at them, the rabbits were all getting sick because it was this horribly toxic diet, except for this one group who seemed to be doing just fine, getting the same food. So they obviously they had like like video cameras and they went back and reviewed. And this one, the other students would come in and they'd feed them and they would leave. But this one student with his group, he would come in while he was feeding them. He'd pick them up and he'd pet them and he'd sing them little songs and tickle their bellies and stuff. And they were getting so much love in this blissful relationship that even the toxic food wasn't affecting them the way it was the other ones. So, again, it's mindset that that can override all. Oh, I'm, I'm not recommending that people eat nothing but vanilla ice cream all day. But, you know, again, as you say, you can have some stuff that would be considered unhealthful. But if it's done in a blissful way, it's, it's not going to be unhealthful. Absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, I've seen all kinds of examples in different forms. Like, uh, you know, uh, Cindy and I were at this place in uh, on Kauai called Smith's Tropical Paradise, uh -huh. which is a wonderful place. It's like going to the Garden of Eden or something. <laughs> and uh, they have animals wandering around in these beautiful gardens and everything. And there was a peacock there. And the peacock, you know, usually if you approach it, it'll run away. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what Cindy does with these animals, especially birds like parrots and peacocks and things like that, she stands about 20 feet away from uh, this peacock, right? This really happened, on, you know, just before we got married on Kauai, uh -huh. and we just went over to Oahu after that to get married. Uh, she starts singing to this peacock, nice and gently, and she starts singing the song uh, Amazing Grace to this peacock. And the peacock starts looking curious and starts looking interested. Then after a while, it takes like one step, you know, it's about 20 feet away. It takes one step towards Cindy, and she's listening to a song that Cindy's gently singing, and takes another step, and then after a while, another step. And before you know it, you know, after about 15 minutes or something, uh, the peacock has, has traveled the whole 20 feet right up to Cindy's face oh. while she's singing the song gently to the peacock because it senses the love and the vibration and the loving thoughts that are coming from us. And uh, I've seen this do it. I've seen Cindy do this on more than one occasion, wow. where she's had animals come all the way up to her as a result of her just gently singing to them and uh, thinking these loving thoughts. And uh, you know, if that works for animals, then you know it's got to work for other things as well. Yeah. And I, I think it really uh, can have an influence on everything about us, everything that uh, we interact with in our life. If we can gain control of our thoughts uh, to where you know we're always thinking these loving, forgiving, uh, gentle thoughts, then it can't help but uh, have an influence on, you know, things that we can't even see, like the Course says, you know, uh, the miracle can have undreamed of effects mm -hmm. in situations of which you are not even aware. These thoughts are going everywhere, you know, and they can't help but have an influence. Yeah, all minds are joined, and so, and if everything is thought, because it's all our projection, it all has to, the ripples just flow through it all. Absolutely. That's wild. 
Let's do one more question here, okay? You got time for one more? Sure. Okay. Uh, there's another one came in a while ago, and we're getting to it now. This is from Amy uh, in Austin, Texas. I know you've been down to Austin a few times. Uh, I hey. love Austin. I've yeah. been there a few times. I'm going back to Austin for my birthday, March the 6th. Ah, Next year, cool. I'm going to be speaking at uh, the Unity of the Hills, Ooh. which is a great community church. Uh, they're just outside of Austin, Texas. And uh, my good friends, uh, Steve and Mary, they're the reverends. Uh-huh. Uh, I did a couple of workshops with them in Suwannee, Georgia. Uh-huh. Uh, so three, three years ago, whatever. They've moved uh, to Austin, Texas. They invited me to come there. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to cool. be a good time on my birthday. Austin is a cool place. They have a great music scene. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, there's a handful of towns in America that are... Really cool. They're usually college towns, not always, but a college helps to keep a town young. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, the motto that they have there in Austin is, uh, keep Austin weird, right? <laughs> and uh, when Disappearance of the Universe first came out, uh, Patrick and I, my first publisher and I, we would do anything to try to get the book into a bookstore. Right. Right, and they have a bookstore there uh, in Austin. And uh, I wrote to them, and I said, you've got to sell this book. It's really weird. <laughs> Right, and they saw that, and they said, absolutely. You know, and they, they ordered the book, and they started selling it, and the book started to catch on in Austin. No, the, the bookstore is called Book People. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's, you know, they really uh, are cool, and they, uh, you know, gave the book a boost at the beginning there. And uh, there are certain towns like Austin, uh, Boulder, Colorado, mm-hmm. is one of them. You know, just one of those towns that's really cool. Uh, Ashland, Oregon, uh, Asheville, North Carolina. You know, there's certain towns you run into that, you know, and they usually have like a promenade that you can walk along, Mm -hmm. you know, like Santa Monica in California is like that, Uh, Burlington, Vermont. There are just certain towns that are uh, just great to hang out in, and uh, Austin is certainly one of them, so I'm looking forward to going back there. But I don't want to forget uh, Amy's question, so what is that? I think you should do a book, a travelogue, and call it Gary's Weird Wild Travels, and you'll have destinations (laughs) to talk about. But uh, yeah, from uh, Amy in Austin, she says, uh, hey, guys, I absolutely love the podcast. Gary, I read Disappearance and my life has flipped completely over in a very good way. Also, I've begun the lessons in A Course in Miracles. I'm so grateful for your books because without them, I'm not sure I'd really be motivated to dig into the material. Now I'm very excited about the course. I can tell this is a pivoting point in my life. So thank you. I needed it badly. Okay, for my question, I am interested in finding out more about what heaven is like. I realize that we all become one, but your teachers, Persa and Artin, discuss the honor of being teachers to those who need help becoming enlightened. I'm just really trying to get an idea of what it is like when we join with God for good. Is it just like a giant love soup that we writhe in for eternity? I love that. (laughs) Or... Do we do things like help others, etc.? I've heard it said that we have no need to think once we are there. All of this is very confusing. Maybe it's just something that my ego cannot comprehend. So that's basically her question is, what is heaven like? I love her. Is is it just like a giant love soup that we writhe in for eternity? Which sounds pretty good to me. Uh, Or do we do? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So so what is the deal? What's the deal there, Gare? (laughs) Well, let's start by saying that uh, heaven is not a place. Right. Uh, it's like a condition. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Course describes heaven as the awareness of perfect oneness. You know, and so, you know, this perfect oneness, and it is an awareness. Uh, the, the Course uses the word awareness, you know, as uh, opposed to, like, perception, which is uh, what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also uses the word knowledge uh, in that way, which would be similar to uh, the Gnostic experience of Gnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it is is an experience that is beyond anything in this world. And uh, you can glimpse it at times while you appear to be here. And that's really good enough at first, because if you just have that glimpse of what it's like to be with God, which is synonymous with heaven, it's the same thing. Uh, That awareness of perfect oneness, yes, it is in a way kind of like a love soup, except it doesn't change, it doesn't shift. It has an underlying feeling of constancy. And that constancy literally does not exist in uh, the world of form, because the world of form is always shifting and changing, which is why it's unstable, and which is why uh, it's something that you can't depend on, because it's always changing. 
one of the differences with heaven is that it's a constant. There's no next. There's nothing that's going to happen after the experience that you're happening. And the amazing thing about it is that you don't need or want anything else to happen because it's so great there wouldn't be any reason to want it to change. Mm-hmm. You know, so you would want it to stay the way that it is. And within that awareness of perfect oneness, there is a fullness and a wholeness uh, to it that does not exist in this world, which is why you don't miss anybody, for example. Uh, you don't have to help anybody else because there isn't anybody else. And no need to help. But, that's right. But at the same time, uh, you don't miss anybody because anybody that you ever loved or cared about, even any animal that you ever loved or cared about, would by definition be there because nothing can be left out of perfect oneness. It would uh, have to mean that everything and everybody is there, it's just that they're not there as separate beings. They're not there as bodies. Right. They're there with you in this perfect spirit, this perfect oneness, which is uh, a feeling that is so great, an experience that is so great, that that is actually the answer uh, to all of our questions. That is actually the real answer to all of our questions. Uh, I think that what you have to realize is that when we ask a question, like, how could this have happened, when it when here's the course saying that it never happened, right? You know, or, you know, how did I get here, or things like that, the heavy questions. The answer to those questions cannot come from within the system. Uh, The answer to those questions has to come from, literally, from outside of the system of time and space. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's because we're dreaming the question. You know, we don't know that we're dreaming the question. We think that we're really asking the question, but what we don't realize is that we're dreaming the question within a dream. Yeah. And the only real answer... And the only meaningful answer uh, to that question is an experience that comes to us from outside of the dream, and it's that experience that uh, replaces the mistaken experience that we're dreaming. Mm-hmm. You know, so the only answer is to wake up. And there is no answer within the dream. Uh, the way that A Course in Miracles puts it, it says, uh, you know, there is no salvation in the dream as you are dreaming it. You know, you can't get an answer within the dream that will satisfy you. The only answer that will satisfy you has to come from completely outside of the system, which replaces the false system of the ego with the true system of God. So what happens is we have this kind of uh, an experience, which the Course calls revelation, which you actually, uh, you know, get to have that experience of being with God. Once you experience that, you realize that that is the answer, that that is the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the Course puts it, that uh, says nobody who has experienced the revelation of this can ever fully believe in the ego again. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be impossible. It says, you know, how can its meager offering, how can the ego's meager offering to you prevail against the glorious gift of God? That's why it's so important to practice forgiveness and undo the ego, because that starts to facilitate that experience of being spirit instead of being a separate being. And once you have that experience of fullness and wholeness that literally blows away anything else that the world has to offer, then uh, you can never turn back again. You know, you can never really look back again because you'll just say, wow, you know, that's reality. It has to be. Uh, It's constant. I had the sense that uh, it could not be taken away from me, that it will go on forever. Uh, Within that experience, there are no problems. Uh, there's nobody else to attack you, which means that you are perfectly safe, so you feel, you know, literally invulnerable. You know, like you can't be attacked, you can't be threatened. As mm-hmm. the Course says, you know, nothing real can be threatened. You literally uh, cannot be approached or threatened in any way under that condition. And, uh, you know, once you experience that, that's the answer to the whole thing right there. And uh, it's that experience that the Course is directed toward, and uh, everyone has that experience at one time or another, maybe not in this lifetime, uh, which nobody should feel disappointed about because you may have already had that experience Mm. uh, in another lifetime, or or you will. But uh, the real focus of the Course is on the undoing of the ego, and then whatever else happens as a result of that or doesn't happen as a result of that, uh, it doesn't matter because it's going to result in more inner peace. You're going to be happier anyway. And it's like uh, my teacher said to me, they said, look, uh, the time comes when you're so happy 
that you don't care if you're enlightened or not. Yeah, that's a great line because yeah, it's, it's so true. If, if everything is just seemingly great, then you say, well, I don't mind waiting a little longer because you're really not waiting at all since there isn't any time. But it seems like there's time when we seem to be here. But if you're spending time, theoretically, and you're loving it, then what's the hurry? That's right. That's why the Course talks about things like the happy dream, yeah. you know, and being a happy dreamer and a happy learner, you know, and things like that. That's the point. You become more peaceful uh, once you've got that gentle smile on your face that the Course talks right. about. You know, the Course says, uh, you seem to walk this world as others do, except you smile more frequently. Right. And, uh, you know, once you get to that point, then you're not worried about whether or not, oh, gee, when am I going to be enlightened? You know, you just uh, saying, okay, I know what everything is for. I know it's for forgiveness. You know, uh, the Course asks us over and over again, what is it for? Well, once you know what everything is for, it makes life, uh, you know, so much more enjoyable, uh, and it makes so much more sense, you know, and everything, uh, you know, is kind of like explained because it's a thought system that applies to everything. It answers every question. You know, it answers where did I come from? You know, what am I doing here? What's my purpose here? Uh, where am I going? You know, it's like it doesn't leave you with a lot of holes to fill. It's right. like everything is answered within that Holy Spirit thought system. Uh, you know, and not because of any human being, not because of me, not because of uh, anybody else, but because it's a thought system that literally comes to us from outside of time and space that is the answer to the problem of existence. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, the more we use it and undo the ego, practice forgiveness, uh, and, you know, become more peaceful and happy, uh, the more we realize that uh, we have been given an answer, but that answer literally does not exist within the dream. Mm. Our questions exist within the dream, but the real answer to those questions uh, comes to us from outside of the dream and has to, because there is no answer within the dream, right. and in fact, Jesus specifically says that in the Course. So uh, that's why you really have to focus on undoing the ego. If you do that then the rest has to take care of itself. It has to work uh, in certain ways along the way, and then ultimately it has to work uh, completely and get us out of here and completely outside of this system Mm -hmm. to the real system, which is the world of God. Now, speaking of uh, your teachers here, Arten and Persa, how do they fit into this, uh, the the hierarchy, the scheme, if you will, because we're talking about the purity of heaven, but they still seem to be interacting on, on the worldly level. So where do they fit into the picture? Yeah, uh, Arten and Persa, are really symbols of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, anything that shows up in the dream, anything that appears within the form, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you remember that great quote from the Course about the Holy Spirit. It says, His is the voice for God, and is therefore taken form. This form is not His reality. You know, so the reality of the Holy Spirit is love. Mm-hmm. And that's what art and curse really are. Uh, art and curse are actually the Holy Spirit. And then what happens is, is the Holy Spirit shows up in the dream or in the world or whatever you want to call it. The Holy Spirit shows up in a way that is best for each individual. That's why uh, the Course says, for one thing, that the Course is highly individualized, that Mm -hmm. the curriculum is highly individualized, because the truth may be simple, and the truth is the Holy Spirit, the truth is love, but the ego is not simple. Uh, The ego is very complicated, which means that the Holy Spirit will show up in the dream for you in whatever way is best for you. Uh, It may show up to me as two people sitting on my living room couch, you know, teaching me the thought system of the Holy Spirit. Uh, It may show up to somebody else, and we've said this before, but it can't be repeated enough. Uh, You know, the Holy Spirit could show up to somebody as an angel because that's what they can accept and understand. Mm -hmm. And the person will say, well, that's an angel. But it's not really an angel. What it is is the Holy Spirit showing up as an angel because that's what they can accept without fear. Mm -hmm. And it goes, you know, on and on as far as the list is concerned. You know, the Holy Spirit to a religious person will show up as the Virgin Mary because that's what that person, you know, or Our Lady of Guadalupe, you know, in the Spanish-speaking countries, which is the same thing. But it will show up you know, in a way that they can accept and understand without fear. The Holy Spirit has to speak to us in our dream in a way that we can get, because if it didn't, then we'd never be able to hear it, and there'd never be a way out. We'd never be able to find our way uh, out of the dream. So that's why, uh, as I've said before, the truth can be heard in the dream. The truth is not in the dream. 
Right. You know, anything that takes on a form is an image or a symbol, which is why, uh, you know, you mentioned art in person. That's why they had me use that great quotation right at the very beginning of the disappearance of the universe. Mm. About the when it says, there are those who have reached God directly, mm-hmm. retaining no trace of worldly limits and remembering their own identity perfectly. These might be called the teachers of teachers because, although they are no longer visible, their image can yet be called upon, and they will appear when and where it is helpful for them to do so. Well, what's happening is Art and Purser, their image is appearing because it's helpful for that to do so, but it's not really them. Mm-hmm. Art and Persa have left the system of time and space. Art and Persa are not appearing to me from the future. Uh, they said in the book that they're appearing to me from completely outside of time and space. What that means is, is it's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit appears in the dream as an image of Art and Persa, the way that they looked at a certain time. You know, Persa said she was appearing as a 34-year-old body, you know, to help me pay attention. <laughs> and uh, we know that that worked. And uh, it's like, uh, that's really the Holy Spirit showing up to help in the way that is the most helpful for me and hopefully some other people. Certainly, uh, you know, many people have been able to relate to the conversations that I had with them. And obviously they appeared to me as people so that we would have those kinds of conversations, which were human and that people could relate to. Mm. So that's helpful. You know, as long as it's helpful to people, then that's the Holy Spirit showing up in a way that uh, can help to lead us out of the dream and lead us back home. But we shouldn't think that anything that we're seeing in the dream is real. We shouldn't think that anything is true, because the Course, by definition, says that it's not. Uh, So everything you're seeing is either a symbol of the ego, which most of it is, because it's all based on separation, or... You could be seeing a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is in the mind, and then the symbol shows up, you know, on the level of form in order to help lead you out of the system and away from uh, error. And the way that the Holy Spirit does that the most is through forgiveness. And even that's not true. You know, (laughs) even forgiveness isn't true. Right. You know, the Course says that uh, forgiveness, too, is an illusion. Right. But unlike other illusions, it leads away from error, instead of towards it. It's the one illusion uh, that leads you out of yeah. illusion. Yeah. Yes, at one point, uh, the Course describes forgiveness as kind of like a happy fiction. Yeah. So it's like uh, none of it's true. That's the point. You know, Ireland person didn't come here to try to teach me that their bodies were real. Yeah. They came here to teach me that no bodies are real, including mine, including theirs, including yours, you know, including everybody's. That's the point. Mm-hmm. And uh, what the Holy Spirit does is teach us these things to lead us out of the level of form and back to the level of wholeness and oneness where, you know, you don't have to worry about being hurt, you don't have to worry about dying, you don't have to worry about scarcity, because those things literally do not exist in perfect oneness. Yeah. There you go. It's all, it's all, that's always such an interesting concept. The whole course, the entirety of the course is based on forgiveness. And it also teaches you that forgiveness isn't real, (laughs) but the truth, it's the one part of the illusion that actually helps to undo the illusion. So it's the one to focus on when it's done, it's no longer needed. Absolutely. And the course teaches that, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit sees our illusions, but does not believe in them. Mm. So it's kind of like we're being told, okay, look, uh, by the Holy Spirit, it's like the Holy Spirit saying, okay, I know you see this, I know you think that it's real, but it's not, and you can forgive it and be free of it. You can release it. You know, it's like that great law of forgiveness from the Course, Art and Person described it as the law of forgiveness, but it's from the Course. It says fear, you know, binds the world. Forgiveness sets it free. Mm. Uh, you are liter- literally releasing the world as yeah. you uh, forgive. You're actually uh, kind of like loosing it. You know, there's that great workbook lesson, I loosed the world from all I thought it was. Right. Uh, it's like you're, you're setting it free, and you start to catch on after the fact, you know, that the one that's really being set free is you. Yeah. You know, so it's like uh, you're freeing the world, but you're really freeing yourself. You're freeing yourself from the belief in the world. You're, you know, those binds are them. You know, I always like that, that loose is an archery term. When you loose an arrow is when you shoot the arrow. So you actually set the arrow on its way is called loosing. So that I, that's like I loose the world. I actually send it on its way. It's gone. You're, I'm done with you from all I thought it was because it was always just a thought. That's right. I like what you said there because you're, you're freeing yourself from the belief in it. Uh, it's like... Uh, you know, it's like the Course says at one point, there is no death, but there is the belief in death. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so what you're really freeing yourself from is that belief, and then eventually you get to the point where you experience that there's not really any such thing as death, that it was just a false belief. And you could say that about almost anything in the world, except for the Holy Spirit, which is uh, the truth that guides us out of it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I, Look, buddy, I hate, I hate to do this. I know you. No, I, I know you got to roll. We're about it. We, we're probably about an hour here. It's another. We're, I'm trying. To, I don't know the exact timing at this point, but it'll be about an hour show. We always say we're going to make it shorter, and we always run about an hour. So, but that's good. It's a good. But, you know, I think we should keep doing this. I think that um, we should just try to get to the questions and answers a little bit quicker each time. Okay. And I've just had so much to tell you because so much has been going on with the wedding and uh, oh, yeah, the travel and all these crazy things. This has been an uh, amazingly busy year for you. You got the wedding and you had a lengthy trip to Europe not long ago, and now you're going back in just a couple of days as we record this. So uh, yeah, you're you're for all your talk about you were going to lighten up your schedule uh, in this year. Uh, it certainly hasn't materialized, Gare. Yeah, well, you know, it's not my fault because I have uh, permanent jet lag. And uh, because of that, I haven't been able to think straight enough to cut down on my schedule. <laughs> so it's kind of like the opposite of this. It's like the problem is creating the problem. So, you know. That's right. So. <laughs> well, we'll work no, on thanks. it. We'll, we'll let you roll okay. for now. And I'll remind folks of uh, the, the websites and stuff as we wrap it up here. So uh, any, any closing thoughts or do you think that closed it? I think that was a good closing thought. I like that. We, we kind of wrapped that up really nicely, I think. Yeah, definitely. I'd just like to thank everybody uh, for all their love and support. Uh, things are going great. And, uh, you know, we'll have more to say about, uh, you know, the new book, uh, Love Is Forgotten No One. Uh, it's going to be worth the wait. Uh, is that a promise from you? Because I know a lot of folks are writing this down right now, that quote from you. <laughs> Gary says it will be worth the wait. <laughs> yes, and actually, you know, uh, I've been talking about the book more at the most recent workshops, uh-huh. uh, especially since the wedding you know, uh, Chicago and Lake Tahoe and Denver and places like that. Uh, I actually give people now a synopsis of uh, the third book and all the chapter titles, and I talk about it. So uh, they can get a sneak preview uh-huh. uh, if they come to the workshops. But, uh, you know, uh, the response has been very positive about that. People are, are excited about it because they can see the way that it's going. And my attitude is, uh, Gene, that everything happens the way that it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just America. It's uh, I can see, you know, all these countries, you know, 20 different countries at least, uh, and the way that things are working uh, and how it's all influencing each other. It's no accident them going back to Europe and, uh, you know, that we go to, uh, you know, these Spanish-speaking countries. Everything fits together, and, uh, you know, it's all... Perfect. You know, and in the meantime, I have other things out there that people can study, you know, including these CDs and uh, DVDs and things like that. And, uh, you know, I was just interviewed for, uh, we'll talk about this more next time, but I was just interviewed for a movie that's being made uh, about A Course in Miracles. And that's exciting. And uh, I thought it was very interesting that Ken Wapnick has also agreed Ah. Uh, to be interviewed for this movie because he very seldom does things like that. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be great. And there's all these things happening, and they all fit together. And there's a reason why uh, everything happens when it happens. Everything, uh, you know, fits together. As you said, the Holy Spirit can see everything, and uh, I can't. And even if I was told by the Holy Spirit, you know, even if Arden and Persa told me to get the book out at a certain time and it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that they were wrong. It just means that they were kind of like helping me to kind of like, you know, get off my butt and uh, <laughs> and do something about it. And, uh, you know, so if anything happens where, you know, I can't follow their guidance, like, you know, if they say something's going to happen, then it doesn't happen. Uh, it's not because of them, it's because of me. It's like I say uh, at the beginning of the books, you know, I say that if there are any mistakes, uh, and fortunately, there haven't been many, but if there are any mistakes in these books, you can be certain that they were my mistakes mm. and were not made by my teachers. And I think you could say the same thing about the timing of uh, the third book. Uh, you know, I was given certain guidance. Maybe I couldn't deliver. Maybe I wasn't good enough or fast enough, or maybe I was just too busy traveling uh, to do what I should have done. But what is that for me but a forgiveness lesson and something that I need to learn how to forgive? And uh, it's a bigger forgiveness lesson for me than it is for the readers, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, so they read the book next year, you know, so what? Uh, you know, it's it's not, uh, you know, something that's going to hurt their lives because they have other things to study and other things to learn uh, in the meantime. And so it's actually been a bigger forgiveness lesson for me than for anybody else. And it's something that I have to learn from and that I have to grow from. And uh, the things that I've learned from this book will help me do, you know, the next books 
uh, better and faster. And uh, so it all, you know, works out the way that it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I think, and most people are pretty understanding about this. A a lot, I get a lot of emails from people asking me about when the book's going to come out as if I know anything, because I don't. Um, But they'll, uh, uh, most people are pretty supportive about it. And when they're sort of busting chops, it's kind of done good naturedly, you know, and a lot of folks really like the alternative title that we came up with. Love has still forgotten no one, you know, so uh, anyway, we're going to let you roll. I know you got to run. We've run over. I appreciate all your extra time here, buddy. I know you're a busy guy. You're heading out to Europe, so have a safe and happy travel over there, okay? Well, thanks, buddy, and uh, love to you and Helen, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, talk soon, and say hello to Stonehenge for us when you're there. You bet. Okay, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Okay, bye. And the Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented by Forgiveness.tv. All verbal content of our programs is copyright 2009, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. I think our rights are all reserved. We have no reservations. Anyway, for more information about Gary and his books, even the third one, you can still find out that information at his website, GaryRenard.com. That's the one he named himself. And right on that front page, you'll see a link to the uh, cruise information. Definitely check that out. uh, If not, only just to see the photos of all of us there. But uh, that will be a lot of fun. Another uh, great-looking cruise. We'll talk more about that later. But you can find that link there. Speaking of links, please go to Forgiveness.tv. Drop in. Say hello. I know a lot of people actually get the podcasts there. Others get it at iTunes and other sources. But Forgiveness.tv is home base. And go to the links page. And I'll try to have those other links up there as we spoke about. And you can always pop into GeneBogart.com as well and say hi. This is Gene Bogart. I think I've wrapped up everything I need to do. We're over time and I don't care. I have no reservations and I've lost what little was left of my mind. Ah, the choir of angels. Ah. And, oh, they they woke me up. As we like to leave, you can see that I've become completely delirious. The only thing I remember is what we like to close out our shows with. That no matter what the question... Forgiveness is always the answer. Anyhow. That's right. I'd better get going or else uh, Marianne's going to come out with a book called Love Has Forgotten No One. Right. Yeah, she'll beat you to it. Yeah, yeah, but hopefully not. Okay.